Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Can we give our worship team a hand? Thank you guys, man. Incredible, incredible, incredible set. And they're actually going to come back up at the end just to kind of lead us in one more song on our way out. So my name is Steven, in case you guys don't know me, if you're new here, my wife Jennifer and I, along with an incredible team, thank you sir, lead here at Avenue Church. Uh, We're about seven weeks old now, and Jesus is just crushing it. God's doing some incredible things, and so if you keep coming back, man, we're honored to have you guys keep coming back. We'd love for you not just to attend, but to be a part of what God's doing and jump on a team and uh, start building some relationships here and just making some connections. And But if today is your first time, we want to just encourage you. If you would, let us know that you're here. You can text the word Avenue Connect to 97000. You'll get a link to a digital connection card. And we just want to know the best way to connect with you. And if there's also anything that we can be praying with you about, we want to know that as well. And even if you've been here Um, For the last seven weeks, you can do this as well. We're trying to set up just an easier way to get us all connected. So you're going to receive a link. And when you click on that, it's going to take you to like a link tree, a flow page. It has a whole bunch of different stuff. At the top is our connection card. Then there's a way to give on there as well. Um, We're also starting a men's and women's Bible study in the next few weeks. So come on. We want to help build relationships outside of Sunday mornings. You can register for that as well. Our ladies group are going to be going through a book by Jenny Allen called Restless just to help you understand like what your purpose is and why you matter. They're going to be meeting on Tuesday nights from 6 until 8, and that's going to kick off at the end of the month. And then, guys, we're going to be going through the book of Romans and just kind of seeing how that is a foundational book in Scripture for us to walk out um, in our Christian life and also really dig into our identity as well. And so it's going to last for about eight weeks. We're going to meet every single Wins Monday night for the guys and every single Tuesday night with the ladies. And if you can't make it, that's fine. Come back the next week. But we would really love for you guys to jump in and be a part of that because um, I know that life change happens at the speed of relationships, right? And it's hard to build relationships on Sunday morning because uh, we come in and we sit in rows and we're looking at the back of the people's head in front of us unless they turn around. You know what? Just turn around and smile at them. Oh, you're, you're still looking at the back of their head because they turned around as well, right? <laughs> Got you. But relationships are built in circles um, where you're sharing stories and you're finding out what's going on in each other's lives. And so our Bible studies are a great way to do that. We're also going to start hosting monthly connect events to where once a month we're going to take a group and we're going to do something together. Guys, we get to go first this month. Come on. So at the, come on, at, at the end of the month, um, we're taking over Murfreesboro Axe for uh, an hour, and then we're going to go down and 
eat some barbecue and chicken at Puckett's. So you can sign up for all of that men's night. It's 35 bucks a person. That gives you an hour of, of axe throwing and then all the barbecue and chicken you can eat. So, And you don't just have to attend Avenue Church. If you have friends or coworkers outside of Avenue Church, bring them along. It's just going to be an incredible time. So I expect all of you guys, I know who you are and where you live, and I will come find you. Know, I'm just, it's, it's one of the perks of being in a small church. You know everybody. So, But we really do, all jokes aside, we really do want to help you get connected because we're at a point now to where we just don't want to have a good Sunday morning. We want to help you have an incredible Monday morning and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and that comes from building relationships. And then lastly, next week, we're going to be starting a new series called I am, and it's Jesus in his own words. About once a year, we will go through a book of the Bible. Mostly, I will teach topically. But once or twice a year, we'll go through the book of the, of, a book of the Bible, and we'll just kind of step through it. Well, with the book of John, there's just so much. It's really my favorite of the four Gospels. Um, it's the book that I love because John thought he was the disciple Jesus loved, right? So um, I want to be Jesus' favorite, so I'm going to read Jesus' favorite, right? <laughs> so, but Jesus makes several statements in that book where he says, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. And so we're just going to take about six weeks, and we're going to step through that. And hopefully we can dig down as we lead into Easter. But today we're going to finish up our series called, what's it called again? What is it? Good. Good. I was just making sure you knew. I knew because I'm writing it, but I wanted to make sure you knew, right? Um, relationship status. It's the last part. And this one's a tough one. Like, last service was, was really heavy, and I was like, how can I, like, lighten it? And I really don't think there's a way to lighten it because we're going to be talking about those who have hurt us. And it's, it's kind of hard to make light of that because some of us may be carrying wounds that are not just a few weeks old but they may be years old. And here's what I found in my life, and I'll say this a couple of times, those that um, we walk with the closest often hurt us the deepest. And we can carry those wounds, and we think they're healed, but then something happens, and it's like picking a scab. How many times your parents ever told you, don't pick that scab, it'll never heal, right? But we find ourselves picking at the scabs of our heart when we've been wounded by our friends. And so we want to help you walk through forgiveness this morning. And so go to the book of Matthew, and we're going to look at a story Jesus tells. And it's, and it's funny when you're raising children and you're trying to help them understand the importance of saying, I'm sorry, when they've done something wrong, helping them recognize that they've done something wrong and getting them to say, you know, like we've had to tell our kids at times, you need to go apologize, right? Have you ever been told that? You remember like going up in grade school, your teacher's like, you need to go apologize, is that a sincere apology when you're told to go apologize? No. But it's something that, that we have to learn how to do, and we think everybody learns that. And I remember like our, our youngest daughter, there would be times where, where she would say, I'm sorry, and we would say, I forgive you. But then there would be times we wouldn't even like say anything to her, and she would realize that she's done something wrong, and she would be like, but I forgive you. It's like, no, you get that all backwards, right? You got it backwards. And sometimes here's what we do is we get the act and the benefit of forgiveness backwards. We think that when we offer forgiveness to someone that it's actually benefiting them. Like, like we're relieving them from some heavy, crazy burden that they're carrying around, but it's not relieving them. Guess who it's relieving? Us. 
It's us. And so Matthew tells us this story. If you're in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 22, Peter comes to Jesus and he asks them this question. And Peter is the guy that's always sticking his foot in his mouth. He's always chopping off people's ears. He's the guy that's always going first, jumping out of boats. And, and so he comes to Jesus first and he, said, he asks this question, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? How often should I forgive someone when they've hurt me, when they've offended me, when they've gossiped, when they've stabbed me in the back? Is it, is it seven times? And Jesus says, no, not seven, but 70 times seven. And so you may not know, and I got to digging because I'd kind of forgotten or I didn't know. Like, why did, why did Peter choose seven? Like, why didn't he choose like five? Why did he choose 10? Why, why did he choose seven? Because by Jewish law, they thought that three times was enough. Like once you forgive someone three times, if they are still stabbing you in the back, you know what? You can hate them forever, right? That would be great. And so here's what Peter said. He's like, all right, well, if it's three times, if I double that and add one, then I'm good, right, Jesus? So if, if, if I take what you're asking me to do and I double it and I add one, I've, I've done double the amount of work plus some. I've went the extra mile. And Jesus says, no, not seven, but 70 times seven, which is what? 490. You guys are quicker than you look, right? No, I'm just kidding. Like, I got to forgive you now, Pastor Stephen. Seven times 70 is 490. Why did Jesus choose that? He could have chosen like seven times 50, which is what? <laughs> I don't even know that. What is it? 350, right? 350. Why did he choose seven times 70? It's 490. And I can be kind of a Bible nerd and just, I like to find things that connect. And when you look at this number 490 and you understand the Hebrew language, the Hebrew language is an alphanumeric language, which means every letter has a number associated to it, and every word has a numeric value. And certain words that have the same numeric value have a connection, a deeper meaning. And so when you, when you look at this number 490, there's this word in the Hebrew language called tamim. Let's say it together. Say it. Tamim. Okay? It's tamim. And it has a value of 490. And the meaning of this is complete, perfect, finished. Complete, perfect, finished. Jesus' last words on the cross were, it is finished. It is finished. Total forgiveness. Now, I know he said, tell us, tell it to sty or whatever, however that is pronounced. I, I have a hard time with English, let alone any other language, right? But when you look at finished, it is perfect. It is complete. The work was done. It was completed. When, when we can walk through in complete forgiveness with someone else, then God's complete work is, is, is taking place in us. And I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm not saying it's, it's something that we do once and is taken care of. But our total forgiveness comes from Christ's finished work on the cross. And he has forgiven us way more, right, than seven Times 70. And so when you look up the definition of Webster, Webster gives us this definition. And actually, I tweaked it a little bit because when you look up the word forgiveness, guess what it means to forgive? Oh, thanks, Webb. I appreciate that. You're helping me out a whole lot, right? It means to forgive. So when you dig down and you look up the word to forgive, it means to give up resentment 
or to give up a desire for revenge or requital. And so we all have those people in our life that we would like to take revenge on. We all have those people in our life that have hurt us deeply that we want them to feel the same kind of pain that we've felt. We want them to hurt the way that we've hurt. We want them to worry the way that we worry. We have this resentment. We have this, we want them to be punished, honestly, right? And so you can define it that way, but it still really doesn't get the feeling. And so if we were to like describe what forgiveness maybe feels like, what it looks like, you can look at it like this. It's like it's someone turning the key and opening the cell door and letting a prisoner free. It's writing the word nothing owed across a debt that is owed. I kind of like these next couple of illustrations. It's sandblasting a graffiti wall so you can start over. Or it's priming an ugly color wall for something new. Anybody got any ugly, ugly colored walls in their room, in their house? Like, man, pea green? All right, so I grew up in, my mom really loved, like, antiques. And back in the day, it was like French Victorian style. And so our house, the outside was pink siding. The inside was pink paint with pink striped and floral wallpaper. And the only way to get rid of something that bright and hideous is you have to prime over it to cover it up so that you can start new. And so think of it, of taking a wall that you do not like, priming over it so you can start new. That is forgiveness. It's just completely doing away with that so that you can't see it anymore. But I love this next illustration. It is releasing a stranglehold on an opponent. How many of you in your minds... Whoever this individual is or this people, you wish you could just put them in a headlock and just hold them till they pass out. Not you? Me. Okay. All right. Can you guys pray for me? But it's, it's taking that. And you may not do that physically, right, guys? But in our spirit and in our heart, we want to have a death grip on them so that they can feel what we feel, so they can hurt like we hurt. And when we forgive, we take that hand that is clenched, and we release it, and we let them go. But honestly, guess what we do when we let them go? Guess who else we're letting go? Ourselves. And so Jesus says this. He says you have to do this seven times, 70 times, 490. Let me tell you what forgiveness is not, because I think we can, we can confuse what, what we have to do to forgive, and we don't allow ourselves to forgive because we think that when we forgive someone, we're approving of what they did. That's not what forgiveness is. It's not saying what you did was okay. It's not pretending that something didn't happen. Forgiveness is not overlooking the abuse, whether it was one time or whether it was repeated. It's not saying that is okay. Forgiveness is not letting others walk all over you. And sometimes, especially for those of us who are nines and kind of want to make sure everybody's okay, or if we're a two and we're a servant and we want to make sure, we think that if we apologize or we accept their forgiveness that we have to allow them to continue to walk all over us. That's not what forgiveness is. When you forgive, you can still set boundaries. Forgiveness is not forgetting what was done. And forgiveness does not do away with all the consequences. This is what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is a decision to not allow the pain of the past keep you from moving into your future. Forgiveness is a decision to not allowing the pain of the past 
to prevent you from moving into your future. Because some of us in this room, I know I've found myself stuck from moving forward because I can't let go. And that could have been last week. That could have been in high school. But we take ourselves back there and we, in some instances, we can shape our identity and who we are based off what was done to us. But when we forgive someone, we no longer give that pain the power to hold us back. And here's where it begins. It begins in the heart and it works its way out. It begins in the heart and it works its way out. C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, great theologian of this time, he, he made this statement. It's a quote. He says, everyone loves the idea of forgiveness, and they say it's a lovely thing until they have someone to forgive. We want to receive it, but we don't want to give it. It's a lovely thing. I love the idea of it until I have to do the work of forgiving someone. And then, you know what? I really don't like, can that just be for me and not for them? And so Jesus goes on to tell the story of what forgiveness looks like in the kingdom. And he tells this story of a king and a couple of servants. And in verses 23 through, um, we'll read through 35, and it's a lot. Like, I know it's a lot. And when I sent Matthew my notes to put it up, because he puts my, my notes in every week, and I put right beside, it's like, this is a lot. I'm sorry, winky face, because <laughs> it's a lot. But I want you guys not just to hear it, but I want you to read it for those of you who don't have a Bible. And so he tells this story. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like this, can be compared to this. It's a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. And in the process, one of his debtors who was brought to him owed him millions of dollars. And he couldn't pay to his master, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his kids, and everything he owned in order to pay the debt. Verse 26, but the man fell down before his master and he begged, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. And then I'll underline this. Then his master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave him his debt. So this guy who owed millions of dollars, the king says, all right, you got to pay up, man. Pay up, Jack. I need my money. I want my money now. I'm going to start breaking ankles, right? Give me my money. And the guy fell, falls on his face and begs for that debt to be forgiven. And the king, in pity and in compassion, forgave millions of dollars. Some scholars say it was the equivalent of like 50 to $75 million that he owed by today's standards. And so the man's forgiven. But then he goes out. When the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him money, which was just a few thousand dollars. And he grabbed him by the throat. How many times do you just want to grab somebody by the throat? He goes out and he grabs him by the throat and he says to him, yo, Give me my money. And the guy said, please be patient with me, and I will pay it. But this guy wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt could be paid. And then some of the other servants around saw what happened, and they were upset, and they went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called for the man whom he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have shown mercy to your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? The king put him in prison and tortured him until he paid the debt. And then this is heavy, verse 35. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters. Everybody take a deep breath. That's heavy. Telling the story of a man who was forgiven a debt but wasn't able to forgive a debt that was owed him 
and he was thrown in prison and tortured. And Jesus is saying, that's going to happen to you if you're unable to forgive. So let me tell you why you should forgive. Plain and simple through this story is one, forgiveness is a product of our own forgiveness. Because you and I have been forgiven a debt through Jesus Christ by the sacrifice of him on the cross, every sin that we've ever committed, that we are committing, that we will forget is completely and utterly forgiven. And so we have a responsibility to offer that same forgiveness. We should be a funnel. We shouldn't be a damned where we just keep it all ourselves, just, just start storing it up. We're a funnel. Forgiveness comes through our Father into our life, and it should go back out. This is what Colossians 3.13 says. It says, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who forgives you. Remember, everyone say remember. The Lord forgave you, so you, what? Must. That's not, like, think about it. The word there is not considerate, but it's a command. You must forgive others. You and I, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, for those of us who are believers or trying to walk this faith journey out as best as we, we can, if we have been forgiven, then we have an obligation and a responsibility to forgive those who have hurt us, to forgive those who have hurt us. But then we ask the question, but Stephen, you don't know, and I don't. Stephen, you don't understand Jesus, you don't understand. I don't know, but he does. He does. Because everything that you've experienced, everything that you will experience, he has already experienced. And we can see in just a moment how he responds. And so here's, here's where the story goes next. I don't know. Jesus knows. And he tells the story of the man who was forgiven such a great debt but wasn't able to forgive a smaller debt. What happened? He was imprisoned. And this is, this is what forgiveness does for you and I. It sets us free. Because we think when we're holding on to unforgiveness and not forgiving that person that we're punishing them and we're locking them up, but guess who we're locking up is ourselves. Because we're not able to move past. You may not be in prison, so to speak, but you're stuck in a loop to where you keep playing that over and over and over and over and you're not able to move past that. You may not be tortured in a cell, but you're tortured at night through frustration, through bitterness, through anger, through insecurity, and believe it or not, all those emotions can then start to turn into physical problems of headaches and backaches and ulcers and anxiety and high blood pressure, all because we're unwilling to take this grasp that we have around their throat, thinking it's punishing them, but really guess whose throat the hand is around? It's around ours. And when we eventually loosen that grasp, it's not on their neck, it's on ours, and it sets us free. And that's what we want. That's what Jesus wants for you. Because he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Bring all your offense. Bring all your unforgiveness. Bring it to me, and let me let you be free. And this quote I, I read is, forgiving others 
We forgive others not because they need our forgiveness. We forgive others so that we can have peace. And some of you in here, you know, this, this message is really making you uncomfortable because it's bringing up some things that you've tried to push down, that you've not handed over, you've only covered over. And the Holy Spirit comes to shine light on the areas that we try to cover up so that he can bring healing. And so how do we receive that healing that can only come through forgiveness? Because these are the relationships. We've talked about our relationship with God's word. We've talked about our relationships with our spouse and the friends we need in our life. But it's these relationships that have wounded us that prevent us from moving forward. So, so how do we find healing in that? The first thing is you and I, we, we have to make a choice. Because you're not going to feel like forgiving. You're not going to feel like it, but you have to make a choice to forgive. That's the first thing. You have to decide in your head before it moves to your heart. Sometimes we have to, to start with things in our head before it can move to our heart. We have to make a decision. Look, I'm tired of feeling this way. I'm tired of letting them control me. I'm tired of letting this anger and this hurt direct and guide my life. So I'm going to make a choice today that I'm going to forgive but guess what? That's just the beginning of the process. Because then here's, here's what we have to do. Jesus says this, and this helps us understand these next two processes. Jesus makes this statement. While he's on the cross, he's been arrested. He's been betrayed by his friends. His friends have, have deserted him. One turned him over, sold him for some silver. Those that were shouting his name, Messiah, Hosanna, as he's coming into the city are now cheering for his crucifixion as he's being led out of the city. And he's nailed to a cross between two thieves. And his words are not, Father, take care of them. Father, punish them. That's not his words on the cross. His words on the cross is, Father, what? Forgive them. Why? They don't know what they're doing. And so once we make a choice, what you and I have to do, we have to choose to see them differently and remember their humanity. And I know that's hard because we want to paint them as villains. But Scripture paints them as broken. We want to paint them as evil, and there is evil there but scripture paints them as confused because when Jesus saw them, it says that he turned and he saw the crowds and he saw that they were lost and confused like sheep without a shepherd. And so what you and I have to do in one sense is, is we have to clear our eyes through hurt, through anger, through resentment and clear our eyes and see them through the Father's love. And I know that's hard. Because what that does is that's taking your hands off the steering wheel. And that's removing what you feel like is your responsibility for justice out of the equation. When we see them as Jesus sees them, because here's what they were doing. They were acting sinfully, selfishly, and ignorant. They were acting out of sin, and they were acting out of selfishness. Odds are they didn't hurt you just because they wanted to hurt you. But by hurting you, they received something from that. That's selfishness. And odds are as they hurt you, they probably didn't fully, fully, fully realize how deep they hurt you. And that's ignorance. 
And again, going back to what we said earlier, guys, forgiveness is not saying what they did is okay. But forgiveness is starting at a point of saying, I see your brokenness and I see your hurt. And guess what hurt people do? Hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. And if we can get to that place where we can see and remember their humanity, just as Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Then hopefully we can take this next step from making a choice, remembering their humanity, and this one, praying for them. And you're like, I'll pray for them. I'll pray they break their legs. Be careful what you wish for. My freshman year, we were taking a psychology class. It was intro to psychology, and I love psychology, but I didn't love my teacher. And so literally, we were like, she, she would be late to class, but then she was just hard, then she would hold us late, and we'd be like, man, I just wish we could get a new teacher. I wish we could get a new teacher. I pray we could get a new teacher. Not long after us having those conversations, that teacher fell down the steps and broke both her legs. Couldn't come to class. So we got a new teacher that was worse than the first teacher, all right? So, so be careful how you pray, all right? Because God will give you what you ask for. So as you pray for them, don't pray for their punishment. God will take care of that. Scripture clearly says that you can't mock God's judgment. What you sow, you will reap, all right? That's also for us, not just for them. We want to preach that to them, but it's really more for us. But there will be justice served. And it may not be in your time frame or in the way that you would like it to be done, but God will handle it in a way that brings life to both you and them. Because, and I know this is hard for us to wrap our brain, as much as they hurt us and we may hate them, guess what? God still loves them. Just let that settle. God still loves them, even though you may have anger in your heart for what they've done. He still loves them regardless of what they've done, just like he loves you regardless of what you've done. We like the idea of forgiveness until we have to forgive. And so I want to encourage you to begin to pray for them. Matthew 5, 44 says, but I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Because in all honesty, they probably need your prayers more than they need your forgiveness. But Stephen, I don't know, like, I don't know even how to begin to pray for them. Like, I don't even know where to start. Like, you, you have no idea. Begin to pray this. God, soften my heart towards them. Help me to see them as you see them. Because God, and just be real. God wants, like, God, I don't want to forgive them. But I know you've forgiven me of so much. I need to do the same. Just start there. Because here's what I know happens. Like, prayer may not change their heart. But prayer definitely will change your heart. Because we think a lot of times prayer is actually to get God to do, uh, like do for us what we want him to do. But prayer actually aligns our heart to his heart. And so I don't know like, like where you're at in this. And, you know, you may be getting mad at me right now just talking. Like, Stephen, you, you, you just don't know. And I'm okay with that. Because I know that if you're holding unforgiveness... You've put yourself in prison, and I want to release you from that prison. And the greatest way to do that is release the person who hurts you. Because when you unlock the door on their cell, you're unlocking the door on your cell as well. So I want to take a moment. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to bow your heads. And I want us, 
for those of you who are in here today. We read the scripture that we have to forgive others because Christ has forgiven us. And you may be here today and you've not come to that place where you've received forgiveness for your sins and entered into a relationship with Jesus. And scripture tells us that if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and he is just to forgive those. It's like he's bound by his word. He's bound by his character. He forgives you regardless of how great, how grievous that sin is, how large that sin may be in your eyes, how small. He is just and faithful to forgive you in that moment and make you righteous before him, which means you are then in right standing before him. And for some of you today, that that starts by saying, Jesus, I give you my life. That starts by coming into a relationship with him and saying, Jesus, I give you my life. That's not all that you're going to say, but that's the start. And if you're here today and you need a fresh start with God, maybe you've walked away. Like Jonathan was saying earlier, you walked away from the Father's house, but you're coming back and you don't feel worthy because what you've done. doesn't matter what you've done. He's standing with arms wide open with a robe and a ring and sandals and a feast waiting to welcome you back in. And so if that's you today and you need a fresh start with Jesus, just simply lift your hand. Simply lift your hand. Say, God, I need a fresh start with you. Awesome. Awesome. Then maybe there's some of us in here today and we have someone in our life or maybe multiple people in our life. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. But it's someone that's close that has wounded you deep. And you've tried to forgive. You've tried to let go. But it, you keep picking at the scab. We want to pray for you this morning so that you can move forward. And you're not bound by the pain of the past. But you can move into the future God has for you. And you need help in forgiving that person. Would you just lift your hand as well with every head bowed and every eye closed? Awesome. Just flip it right back down. Awesome. All right, look up here at me. Look up here at me. Here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to pray two prayers. And the first one is going to be a prayer of salvation for those of you who lifted your hands or didn't lift your hands, but you lifted your heart. You're simply going to say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for what I've done. Please forgive me. And please lead me. I want to follow you. And in that moment, it says that he forgives our sin, that all shame, all guilt is, is wiped away. Scripture says that, that everything that is old is gone, that everything is made new, and your rest of the day is going to be different. Your tomorrow is going to be different because you're now a forgiven son or daughter of the Most High King. You've given your life to Jesus. We're going to pray that prayer. It's not my words that save you, but it's yours. But maybe you raise your hand like, Stephen, I'm, I'm, I'm carrying around this weight, this shame, this anger, and I just need to let go of that. And I feel like my hand's around their throat, but as you're talking, I realize it's really around my throat. I need to let that go. I need freedom. I'm tired of the sleepless nights. I'm tired of the anger. I'm tired of the worry. I'm tired of, of it all. Help me let it go. Help me to forgive them. And we're going to pray that, that you would have that release to start today. So let's pray together. Father, we just come to you.
God, I thank you for today's presence. I thank you that you're in this room even now. God, I thank you for those that lifted their hands, for those that lifted their hearts and said, I need a fresh start with you. Father, those that are having that conversation for the first time, whether they're coming back home for the second, third, or fifth, sixth time, God, as they give you their life because you've given them yours, God, wrap them in love, wrap them in forgiveness, wrap them in peace, wrap them in confidence of knowing who they are in you. God, that they walk out of here today knowing that they are a new creation. But God, for the rest of us, we lifted our hands. We've been wounded deeply. We've been hurt with those relationships that we need to let go of, that we need to forgive, not just once, not just seven times, but as many times as it takes. And when that wound heals, there may be a scar and it may be a reminder. But God, I pray that they're not held captive by that wound. They're not held captive by that pain, that they're able to move forward, God. And so, God, I pray just for two things. God, I pray for a soft heart for us and for courage. Soft heart so that we can see them just as you see them in their brokenness, in their hurt, in their ignorance, the pain that they caused us. Help them to see, help us to see them like you see them. then God, help us to have the courage to move forward in that, to begin to pray for them. God, it's, it's not justifying what they've done. It's acknowledging the pain. But it's giving that pain to you and letting you do with it what you will. And so, Father, we release that grip. I'm just asking everyone just, just, to, just to open your hands just as a sign of surrender and just release. That in a tense moment, we find relief just by changing our posture. So, Father, as we open our hands, God, let it be a symbol of open heart and just release that we give it all over to you this morning. So, Father, every heart, every mind, every soul, God, just let your healing take place right now. So, Father, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says... Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap this morning.